go back and we're going to just cover the ground we covered last week as well. And then we're pretty close to being finished with our study on trusting God. And let me ask you a couple of questions here, right? Do you really believe at this point that God is in control of everything in your life? Can you see that as a reality uh, in your life? That God is in control of everything. Nothing is happening in your life that God doesn't have his hand on and is not in charge of. There's no trial, there's no tribulation, there's no difficulty coming your way that God is not involved in. And because he's involved in, what are our three truths that we're trying to keep in mind here, right? What are, what are our three truths, Verena? You have the first one at least. God loves us, right? Does he love us always? Is there ever a day in your life when God is not going to love you? What if you get it horribly wrong? What if you do something really stupid? Will God stop loving you at that point? No, God will always love you. He will never break that. He will never, <clears throat> I'll take it here, will Thank you very much. He will never <clears throat> not love you. And you've got to keep that in mind because the enemy would like you to believe that there are times when God stops loving you. The enemy would like you to believe there are times when you, don't, when you just don't cut, cut it. And um, he really doesn't have... Uh, any love for you. Because if he can get that wedge in there and have you believe that God doesn't love you, he can get you to do anything. You know, always try. Try it with Eve in the garden and then try it with you. Hugh Daly, leave your hand up there. Okay, he will never forsake us, all right? <clears throat> that, 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 is, that is true. Uh, he will never forsake us. He loves us. But there are three, three truths that we're looking at. Jay, he knows what's best for us. Do you believe that, that God knows what's best for you? Do you know what's best for you? I definitely don't know what's best for me. Now, I think I do sometimes, but I do not know what's best for me, nor do you. God knows what's best for you. So he loves you, and he knows what's best for you. Always. And what's the third truth, then, that we, we talked about? Then, he's sovereign, which means he's in control. He has the power to bring it about. So here's where, we're, here's where we arrive at. <clears throat> We've all got things going on in our lives that are maybe not exactly what we'd like. Difficulties and problems and issues in our lives that are just not where we'd like to be, not what we'd like going on, uh, all kinds of things. You know, God loves me. He knows what's best for me. And he has the power to change any of it. So you know what? If he doesn't change it, he wants it in my life. He doesn't change it. He wants it in my life. And I'm in safe hands. God is omnipotent. Let's quickly go through this. We won't, we won't pause on all of them. He is omnipotent. He's able to solve my problem. Uh, <clears throat> and when he doesn't, it's because he has a better plan. Now, the better plan might, might not seem like a better plan to me, but it's always a better plan. I, uh, God is omniscient. He knows all about my problems. And God is wise. He has allowed the problem in my life because he knows what's best for me. God is omnipresent. He is with me. He will never leave me nor forsake me. He is with me in everything. And by the way, do not let the enemy shake you loose on that truth. God made you a promise. I will never leave you nor forsake you. So whether you feel his presence or not, the truth is he is there. He is always there. Because if you think he's not there, you think he doesn't know, then again, the enemy can get you to do all kinds of dumb stuff in your life. God is immutable. He never changes us. He never changes. He is the same God yesterday, today, forever. 
He solved your biggest problem. You got saved, didn't you? That's the biggest problem you could ever have. The fact that you were going to hell and will he solve that problem. And if he solved your biggest problem, he's able to solve the problem you've got today. He's able to deal with your problem today. Uh, He is sovereign. He's in complete control of the situation. Uh, Everything is in his hands. God is true. I can claim the promises in God's word because God does not and cannot lie. If God says it in his word, it's absolutely true. You used to say you can go to the bank on it, right? But you know, the banks are not always true. Uh, the, the bank doesn't always have the money that it thinks it has or, or it would like to have. But you know, when, when, when God gives you a promise, that's, that's stronger than any promise the bank could make to you because he's God. Nothing can overturn uh, his ability to keep the truth, keep what he says he will do in your life. God is true. He got, and God is eternal. Uh, <clears throat> God views all my problems in the big picture. I view my problems in today, tomorrow, maybe this week. God looks at my problems and he sees what's going to be happening in millions of years from now. And he's working all of it with the big picture in mind. And so I've got to understand that the big picture oftentimes will not look like the small picture does. Right? When your mommy took you and sent you to school and left you in school and you screamed and, and gave out and cried and all the rest of it, you didn't see the big picture. But now you're kind of glad she did. <laughs> right? And then you'd have been happy for her to take you home again. Uh, but if you'd been home all your life, you'd be in a pretty sorry state. You know, God's got a big picture in mind. He's going to put you through some things that are not what you would like and don't seem to make much sense to you right now. But in the light of eternity... It's the best thing for you. <clears throat> then God is righteous. <clears throat> uh, when God allows a problem into my right, He's doing what's into my life. He's doing what's right. He's never unrighteous. He never uh, is uncaring and unrighteous. He, he's a righteous God. Uh, God is just. He's absolutely just in all that He does. Uh, and in the midst of the pressures and problems, how conscious are you of the living God? <clears throat> and they that know their know Thy name, know who God really is, will put their trust in Thee. You know, if we will actually take on board who God is and apply it to the reality of our daily lives, we can trust him. Very safe. You're very safe in his hands. You say, but I get it wrong. Yeah, you get it wrong. Well, listen, confess your sin. And he's faithful and just to forgive your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You're very safe. Walk with him. Are, are, are things that you don't want to, go, want to happen in your life going to happen? Yeah, there's going to be difficulties. But you're in his hands. You have a loving heavenly father who's working you through life to give you a better resurrection. You're in great shape. You're in a great place. <clears throat> so in times of trouble, I can say the Lord brought me here. It is by his will that I am in this place. In that I will rest. Now, put legs on this. You've got a problem right now in your life. Okay? Uh, <clears throat> Are you here by his will? The sickness you're carrying, the problem, the financial stress, are you here by his will? Don't we want to revise that and say, well, yeah, no, it's actually my fault. And you know, the truth is that we actually cause a lot of our own problems. But can we cause problems that God can't overrule? No. When God allows you to cause a problem in your life, He allows it for your good. 
even when you get it wrong. He takes See, all things work together for good to those that love God, to those who are called according to his promise. Now, it doesn't mean you should keep on doing dumb stuff because it becomes God's will for your life. You, you, you should live as wisely as you possibly can. But understand this, that even you can't do dumb stuff that God can't take and use in your life. I, you know, understand that in times of trouble, the Lord brought me here. It is by his will I am in this place. In that I will rest. I'm going to rest in him. If, if you've done something stupid, if you've sinned and got that wrong, confess it. Make it right. You know, <clears throat> and understand uh, and rest in him. In times of trouble, he will keep me here in his love and give me grace in this trial to behave as his child. Do you know that you never face a problem, a trial, or a difficulty that you have to act like a heathen in? Don't we sometimes give ourselves a a release clause. Well, in this situation, what else can I do? Well, no, there's enough grace available for you in the situation you're in tonight to live right and do right and please him. And that's where Christianity gets supernatural. That's where God's power steps in. You don't have the power to do it, but God has the power to do it. And you let him step in and enable you to live like a Christian in spite of the fact that it's difficult. And you'll see power available to do that. In times of trouble, God will make the the trial a blessing, teaching me the lessons he intends me to learn, working in me the grace he means to give. God God is going to use the trial for a blessing in your life, always. You know, none of us are going to go to heaven and say, well, you know what, God, I, I, I think it was a pretty rotten thing you did on me down there. We're not going to do that. Now, you might have some things that causes you pain, that causes you to cry right now. But when you get to heaven, you're not going to say to God, God, that was a a mean thing you did to me. Because he's not mean. He's involved in it. He's going to use it for a blessing. Rather, we're going to go to heaven and we're going to thank him for all that he did in our lives. Um, And in times of trouble, I can say, in his good time, he can bring me out again, how and where he knows. And that's so important that we leave that in his hands. Because we have time schedules, don't we? We want God to do things in a certain way at a certain time and to make them happen. And we, we know what we want and we know what we want to achieve. And God knows better. We need to understand it's in his time. He can bring me out again, how and where he knows. Then we can say, I am here by God's appointment, in his keeping, under his training, and for his time. If I'm in the hands of God, I'm in a very safe place, aren't I? And so are you. If I'm in the hands of God, I'm in a very safe place. And if I walk close to him and live with that reality in my life, I'm in a very safe place. It's not going to, it's not going to absolve me from trouble in my life. But it's a very safe place. It's a very good place uh, to live and to be. Okay. Now, why does God bring troubles into our lives? We're going to look at some reasons why. That we should not trust in ourselves. All of us long for ease, rest, and the end of pressure. We want peace in our surroundings, don't we? Listen, I want an easy life. Don't you want an easy life? I want everything in the church to go nicely. I want everything in, the, in my home to go nicely. I want enough money in the bank to do everything I need to do. And I, I want an easy life. So do you. I haven't got an easy life. And you haven't got an easy life either, have you? 
Uh, you've got troubles and difficulties in your life. <clears throat> um, we want peace, but that's not God's plan for us, uh, though. It appears that there are a never-ending stream of difficulties in our lives. All of us have problems. Some seem unsurmountable. Now, we all have problems. We all have difficulties. Some seem insurmountable. There's no way uh, <clears throat> I can overcome this. There's no way I can deal with this. You know that feeling, don't you? Now, <clears throat> Why is it there in your life? One of the reasons is God does not want you trusting in yourself. Here's what I've found. <clears throat> I, I can be pretty good at solve, solving problems and sorting out problems and getting things going in the right direction for me. But it doesn't matter how much I sort out. There's always something else. Always. And he said, that's pretty depressing, Pastor. Wish I hadn't told us that, right? Now, that's the reality of life. There's always something else. There's always a difficulty. And you know what? <clears throat> I've noticed, too, that since I became a Christian, that's definitely true. I had problems before I was saved, but since I became a Christian, in some senses, there, there, are, there are more problems in my life. It's like God's taken an active interest in creating problems and difficulties in my life. Why? Because he knows that's what I need. He knows what's best for me. He is making it so that I can't depend on Dave, that I've got to depend upon him, that I've got to trust in him. I, God got us planned to, to help us stay dependent upon him. Second Corinthians 1, 8, and 9. Let's turn there. Second Corinthians 1, 8, and 9. This is Paul talking, the Apostle Paul talking. <clears throat> For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came upon us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. Right? <clears throat> but we had this, the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raiseth the dead. Now, this is the Apostle Paul, right? He's serving the Lord. He's doing what God wants him to do. His life is completely sacrificed to doing what God wants him to do. Paul wakes up in the morning and he asks the Lord what his will for the day is, and he does it. He live, no matter what you do, you can stone him, uh, you can whip him, you can do whatever you like with Paul. Paul's going to come bounce back and he's going to do the Lord's will. So if we were to have a conference together and we were to talk about the Apostle Paul, uh, what would we say about his life? We would say, okay, the, he is living for God. Now, should God give him trouble? Or should, should God give him an easy life so he can get on with the ministry God has called him to? Well, I would think give him an easy life so he can get on with the ministry. But I'd be wrong. I'd Because you know what happened? Paul would trust in Paul. Paul would trust in Paul, and he would no longer be depending upon the Lord. He would dep be depending upon himself. <clears throat> and so he says, But we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raiseth the dead. Now, what, would, what do you think it would mean to have the sentence of death in yourself? 
what do you think he's talking about that? What does that mean? What would, what, let me ask you. What would it be like if you had the sentence of death on you? Nick? Okay, you'd be facing death. Right, you'd have a sentence of death. You'd be facing death every day. You, you wouldn't know when. Well, we talked about our friend in Armenia, um, in, in Iran, Mustafa. And Mustafa's waiting to be drawn into prison. And so he has the sentence of prison on his life on any day. They can come and pick him up and throw him in prison. Paul is saying, we had a sentence of death. We didn't know when it was going to come or how it was going to come, but we were sentenced to death. We knew, and listen, he came close enough to it enough times, and finally they did kill him, that he knew, you know, this is, this is serious stuff. But he carried the sentence of death. Now, why did he carry the sentence of death in himself? That we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raiseth the dead. Why was that important? Nikki. Okay, Lord giving him eternal life. That, that, that was, that was his, his encouragement. In it. Why was it important, though, that he live depending upon the Lord and not depending upon himself? Pardon? Good testimony, yeah? You see, a guy like Paul could do a lot, couldn't he? Guy like Paul, listen, that guy was motivated, he was trained, he was sharp. You know, he could do a whole lot. But you know, Jesus said that without me, he can do nothing. So Jesus helped Paul. By making it, the Paul couldn't do it. So Paul carries this incredible thought in his life. I can die any moment. I can die any moment. You know what? All my plans and all that I can do doesn't amount to much because I, I've got this sentence of death. They're going to kill me sooner or later. Lord, I can't do this work you've called me to do. You're going to have to do it. And so Paul lived a life where miracle after miracle after miracle happened because Paul wasn't depending upon Paul. You see, if Paul had depended upon Paul, no doubt he would have achieved a lot. But it wouldn't have made any difference. But when Paul depended upon the Lord, God did great things through his life. So great that we're still hearing about them, that we're living them. The reality of Paul's ministry has touched all of us. And see, so God wants you and I to live in dependence upon him. So catch this. If God wants me to live in dependence upon him, then he's going to effectively knock out the other things I would depend on. He's going to stop me from depending upon the other things. He's going to, in a sense, pull those those props out from under me so that I have to depend upon him. So you may have a talent and ability uh, in your life that you can actually do great things in a certain area, and you're going to find that in spite of your great talent and ability, God pulls it out from under you. Sometimes Christians face problems, and you look at them and you say, now hang on a minute. You have this ability. What's the problem here? Why, don't you, why, why doesn't it just happen? Well, because God steps in. And God creates situations where we depend upon him. Now, now what do we do with that when it happens in our lives? When it happens in Paul's life, we say, oh yeah, that's great. You know, for Paul, Paul needed that, and we're so glad God worked that out in his life. But what happens in your life when 
there are things that you can't get together, that you can't make work out. Things that seem to just go, because the sentence of death just went on and on and on in Paul's life till he eventually died. What happens in your life when, when there's that, <clears throat> that problem that just drags and drags and drags and drags and drags and it never seems to get resolved and you're constantly crying out to the Lord for but it never seems to get resolved? What do you do with that? Yeah, <laughs> we're frustrated, don't we? This is not good. Now, Lord, I need you to move. I need you to deal with this problem. I need, I need this fixed. And I need it fixed like now. And, and Lord, you've got, you got to fix the problem for me. And God is saying, no, no, no. I put that there. I've made that weakness. I've, I've made that area where you have to depend upon me. And with that weakness, you're going to achieve much more than you would achieve if you could actually have it all your own way and do it all your own way. So, so we got to understand you know, the, the illustration there, solar-powered calculator or mains operated. What are you? The reality is uh, you want to be independent, and so do I. Everybody wants to win the lotto, even if, they don't, even if they don't buy tickets and you shouldn't. Everybody wants to win the lotto. Why do you want to win the lotto? What would a million euros in the bank mean to you? What would it mean to you? What do a million euros in the bank mean to you? Independence. Now, it's not true. It wouldn't work out that way because money doesn't control everything. But it would mean I'm safe. I have what I need. I can do what I like. That's why it's so appealing to us. Really, the heart of it is independence from God. And you say, no, 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 I'd give lots of it away. <clears throat> Look, listen, God's well able to take care of things he needs to take care of without giving you a lot of money to do it. You don't need to be financially independent. Our bent is to be independent. We don't like the uncomfortable place where we <clears throat> have to be dependent on God. But it's essential. If we're going to achieve anything for him. We're going to have to be dependent upon him. Which means... For as long as I live, I am going to have problems. Some of them can't be resolved. And I'm going to have a lot of good things going on in my life. I'm going to have a lot of blessings, but I'm going to have some problems. I'm going to have some things that, that, that will bring me to my knees and bring me to tears and prayer for the rest of my life. I need them. I need trouble. Make friends with trouble because you need trouble. You need difficulties. Don't, don't, don't always treat it like it's an intrusion into your perfect life. It's not. It's something God puts there because he has a plan. A much bigger, much better plan than, than you imagine. So God has planned uh, to help us stay dependent upon him. Right? <clears throat> Number two, Christ is manifested in our lives when we are under pressure, not when we are living comfortably. Again, here's another area. Go to Second Corinthians chapter four. Second <clears throat> Corinthians chapter four, <clears throat> verse ten and eleven. D -d Don't you imagine in your life that <clears throat> if you were God and somebody got saved, you would make their life easy so they could show the world how great it is to be a Christian? And there would be less pressure on the life of the believer than there would be on the life of other people. Don't you imagine that? 
In fact, some people sell the gospel like that. That if you get saved, everything's going to go well. And you're like, that's not true. That's not God's plan. That's not what God is doing. Look at 2 Corinthians 4, 10 and 11. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So what's Paul saying? Paul's saying, we're being delivered unto death. We're under pressure. We got difficulties coming out of our ears. We got problems and all kinds of things going on. Why? That the life of Christ also might be manifest. That people might see Jesus. You see, if you've got life under control and you've got the world by the tail and you can handle it all and you can run it all, you know what people see? You. Aren't you great? That's what they see. But when you've got pressure and you've got difficulties in your life and you've got things going on that you can't handle and you're crying out to God and you're living anyway, People go, what gives there? How, how, how does that work? He should have gone under a long time ago. But he's, he's still going. He's still living and he's still got this joy thing he's got. You know, <clears throat> that's what God is doing. God is pressing us so that we'll manifest Christ. Now, and, and, and the point you and I have got to see is, <clears throat> look, God's got a plan that's at odds with my plan for my life. I want a nice, easy, comfortable life, and so do you. I want a nice, easy, comfortable life. I want it all to go sweet and nice. I don't want problems. I don't want sickness. I don't want financial reversal. I, <clears throat> I don't want any of those things. And yet God says, Dave, I'm going to bring some of those things into your life. I'm going to give you lots of blessings, but I'm going to bring some of those things into your life. And I'm going to enable you to manifest Christ in your life when the pressure's on. So make friends with pressure. Make friends with pressure. Now, the third one we're not going to look at because that's our next passage in 2 Corinthians that we're going to look at on Sunday morning, right? Uh, But God is glorified not in our strength, but in his strength being manifested through our weakness. God doesn't get get glory from you being the man or you being the woman and you making it happen. He doesn't get glory from that. God gets glory from manifesting his strength in your weakness. Is God able to take care of you even when you're weak? Even when there's problems? Of course he is. But that's where he gets glory. You know, Samson. Samson <clears throat> was a great big strong guy and he could do anything. Now, he didn't realize where the power was coming from most of his life. And he didn't give the glory to God for the power that came through his life. But you know, <clears throat> one day God took all his power away. And they took Samson and they put him to grind. And they just made him like a beast. And he just pushed the grinding mill. Put his eyes out and he had no power. And then they took him to make sport of him. Took him there having a big party and he put his two hands on the pillars. And he called out to God 
for power. And he brought the house down. And do you know that Samson brought more glory to God in his death than he did in his whole life? Why? Because he was dependent on God. I think, by the way, Samson's in the roll call of faith in Hebrews 11 because of that incident. Because there wasn't much faith in the rest of his life. But I think that's the, t- that's the point. You see, here he is, big strong man, he's blind. Big strong man, he's lost all his power. He's now totally dependent on God. And God says, that's where I've been trying to get you all your life, Samson. And Samson fulfilled his life work in a moment of dependence on God. Paul fulfilled his life work in a lifetime of dependence on God. You see, you and I are never going to do anything apart from being dependent on God. And that means he's going to have to bring difficulties. There's going to have to be problems and difficulties in my life. Okay, so we're going to close here, right? Uh, Let's grab these five points. First of all, accept that you will always have problems and pressures. Always. Always have problems and pressures. You know, the world, <clears throat> the, wor- the world talks about retiring. They're going to come to the age where they retire and they're going to have lots of money and they're going to go on holidays and they're going to have a great life. <laughs> this brother has just retired, right? And, uh, <clears throat> and, but, you know, the truth is it's not like that. Does, does retirement have pressures? <laughs> whole different set of pressures. You know, you're never going to live... This world was never intended to be your home where you settle down and just have fun. Oh, there's a lot of blessing and a lot of fun. But it's not home. You're going to have to... So so accept it. Sign up to it. Stop being surprised. You know, uh, Paul says, think of that... Or Peter says, think of that strange concerning the fiery trial which has come upon you. So don't we sometimes think that, oh, no, this is impossible. Why me? Well, don't think it's strange. It's just the way of life. Right? Then accept that because of these problems, you will always be out of your depth. Don't, don't you and I want to get the whole thing under control once and for all, and we've got it now, we've got it sorted. And isn't it amazing that no matter how many things you get under control, something pops up over here, and then you get that one under control, something else pops up. You're always going to be living out of your death. It's never going to be just a plain, easy playing field. It was never intended to be in a sin-cursed world. It was never intended to be like that. Oh, listen, before the curse, Adam and Eve had this wonderful, glorious, problem-free life. But once sin came into the world, there was going to be problems. We need the problems. If we didn't have the problems, we'd be a disaster. Except that because of these problems, you're always going to be out of your depth. You're always going to find things in your... And it doesn't matter how far you go. Remember when you were a kid in school and you forgot your copybook and you were on your way to school without your copybook and you knew the teacher was going to kill you. And it was the biggest problem you could have in the world. You remember those days, those little problems that back then seemed huge. And then you got to the day when there were no problems. But you know what? The problems got bigger, didn't they? And that's the way it works. You're always going to be out of your depth. You never get to the place where you can handle all the problems. 
you're always going to be in the place where you need God. And that's a good thing. Accept it. It's not a bad thing. It's actually a good thing. We'd be monsters if we got it all our own way. We're always going to have problems that we need to accept God. Trust God's grace to keep you afloat. Now, now, how does that work in your life? Trust God's grace to keep you afloat. How's that going to work out in your life? That his grace actually keeps you afloat. Well, what was the last big problem that you had? Now, maybe, listen, maybe you fell apart and you flapped around uh, and you acted like the world was going to come to an end because of your problem. But eventually it got worked out, didn't it? Eventually it got sorted. And the amazing thing about us is that when the problem gets sorted, what we do is we look back and we, and we can't remember how bad the problem was. Right? <clears throat> well, hang on a minute. God's got grace that can enable me to face the problem and look into his face and say, no, Lord, I have no idea how I'm going to work this out. This is my worst nightmare. But I know you do. And you've worked out all these other problems in my life. And I know you're going to work this one out too. Don't like it. Wouldn't have choose, chosen it. But I know you can work it out. And Lord, I'm going to trust your grace to keep me afloat in it. And he will. Every time. We're going to look at it on Sunday morning. For my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. God has enough grace to enable you to do whatever you need to do, no matter how difficult the situation is, and he'll bring you through it. Now, <clears throat> folks, the, the, so, there are some angles on this one we need to catch, right? First of all, when problems come, they always look set to derail me, don't they? They always look set like they're, like they're going to, and they can cause my stress level to soar. But when I come to the place where I'm trusting God's grace... Listen, his grace is infinite. I, I'm never going to actually be swallowed up by my trouble. Because he's got enough grace. Now, now, now I'm kind of turning life around and I'm beginning to live in a whole different way. See, I wanted to live trouble-free, but that wasn't available to me. But when I come to the place where I recognize that the trouble will not destroy me, that when I face the trouble, he will be there and I will have his grace, his power to deal with the trouble. Now I'm living in a place where it's very safe. Because nothing is ever going to come my way that his grace can't handle. Nothing. No problem. No difficulty. No issue is ever coming my way that his grace can't handle. And you see, here's what happens. If I can actually buy into this and understand this, I don't get the peaceful, easy life I wanted. But I do get a worry-free life. Because he's in charge. He's got it all under control. And whatever he brings my way, he's going to help me. He's going to enable me. I'm going to be able to face it. There's nothing, nothing coming down the road between now and the day I see Jesus that's going to ultimately derail me. Nothing. Because his grace is, is there. 
It's sufficient for whatever comes my way. I'm safe. I'm okay. I'm not problem free and I never will be, but I'm safe because, you know what? He's got his handle on the whole thing. You see, so here's the thing. You're, you know, your, your greatest fear has the fear drained out of it if you believe that. The greatest worry, the greatest worst thing that could happen gets the fear drained out of it. No, his grace, he will enable me. He will, I'll be okay. He'll be there. I love the song. It says, things that once were wild alarms cannot now disturb my rest. Why? Because this is true. Because I have him. So <clears throat> his grace will keep me afloat. Then number four, glorify him in your problems by demonstrating his power to keep you in spite of difficulties. Now here's where it gets exciting. You know, <clears throat> look, you're a new believer. You're going to struggle with some of these things. and You're going to, you're, you know, you're going to be hit with things and you're going to go, we're all going to die, we're all going to die, right? <clears throat> And then you're going to realize, hey, I didn't die. And then you're going to feel a bit, you know, foolish. I didn't need to react like that because God had it in hand anyway. And you, to be fair, we grow that way. You know, we grow uh, by, you know, facing the difficulty, sometimes, you know, <clears throat> succumbing to the fear of the moment and realizing, no, God's in charge. Right? And so you begin to grow in it. Faith gets real when you begin to face situations and you kind of look boldly into the face of the impossibility and you say, God will take care of me. Think about Job. Job's bold declarations of faith. I know my Redeemer liveth and I shall see him. I don't know much. I can't feel anything good about anything. My life's an absolute mess right now but I know my Redeemer, Redeemer liveth. And he had, he had confidence in spite of an absolutely impossible situation. Think of Paul and Silas in the prison. I mean, <clears throat> horrible place to be. You just got beaten for doing what you're supposed to be doing, and he got thrown in prison, and it wasn't even legal. And they start singing, what are they singing about? It's faith. It's a bold declaration of faith. They're singing praises to God. And I honestly think what happened was God got happy and the chains fell off. Because you know what? When you and I come to the place where we face difficulties and we trust Him, there's nothing pleases Him more than that. Without faith, it is impossible to please him, but by faith, you can please him. And when you face impossible situations and you boldly declare your faith in him, when you give thanks in the dark day, maybe with tears in your eyes, but you, you know what? You please him. You please your heavenly father in that day. And listen, glorify him. And what happens is, as your faith grows, you have comfort in him, even in the dark days. And then number five, choose to trust him. Now next week we'll go through that uh, step by step, but choose to trust him. Look, 
we, we, we've looked at a whole lot of things in this <clears throat> study, and we've looked at a whole lot of reasons why we should trust him. We've looked at a whole, whole lot of reasons why he is trustworthy. But you know, in your life, there needs to be that decision. And it's not a once-off decision. It's a constant decision. I am going to trust you, Lord. I am going to trust you in this situation, though it seems impossible. I'm going to trust you. And when you begin to do that, life gets good. Because you're living in the right place now. You're not, you're not getting off with the difficulties, no difficulties, but you can learn to trust them. And no blessing in spite of the difficulties. All right, we'll come back next week and we'll look at choosing to trust him. Any questions or thoughts on tonight before we close here, right? <clears throat> this is like concrete in your gut as far as your faith is concerned. If you can get these truths and just let them seep in to your life, what it will do is it will just make your faith bulletproof. Because he's in charge of it all. You're in a real safe place as his child. Any questions or comments? All right, then let us pray. Father, we thank you for this time. Thank you, Lord, uh, for your word. Thank you for the truth, Lord, that we find about you. Thank you for being the great God who's in control of all of it. And thank you for the way you, Lord, intimately get involved in our lives. Lord, would you help us to trust you in the cut and thrust of the difficulties, that we might know your presence and your power, and that, Lord, we might glorify you in the difficulties. In Jesus' name, amen.